Let's see, am I on? Okay, here we go. I'm going to make myself at home here, grab a couple things. In fact, you guys are like my home, even though you don't see me as often as I might like or you might like. Uh, as Pastor Will said, my parents do go to church here. They've been up here for years, I don't know, so we try to come up from the valley as much as possible. And so, if you don't know my parents, uh, last year, planned a trip to Hawaii with my kids, and Sarah and I were supposed to go on a cruise, and all, obviously all that got canceled. Hawaii's opened up, but the cruises aren't. So my kids are in Hawaii with my parents, and uh, Sarah and I are like, you know what? We just need a week to relax. So let's, let's come up here, worship with you guys, and then uh, as Sarah and I were talking, praying, I'm like, I hope I don't step on any toes, but what if I invite myself to preach? <laughs> I, why not, right? And uh, just so you know where my heart is, so if I, I fumble through words or if I offend you, I'm sorry, but the whole point of this is to give Will and Brandy a break, because uh, I grew up as a pastor's son, I know how hard uh, everybody works to get a church running. And so any chance I can provide a break, relaxation for you guys, I want to do it. And you are a community that does the same. I know when Sarah and I are up here, uh, you guys step in and fill so many voids that sometimes takes place. So uh, Will had said, I, was, I spoke last February, so about 15 months ago, I got back from a trip to Haiti and was invited to speak on a missions trip. Uh, that I took to Haiti, and how God was working in, in that nation, through us, through the church I was a part of, and then everything fell apart. Because, yeah, right? Think back to last February, and all that's happened. Yeah, I can't remember it all. So, like, I tried to take notes, and I'm like, when was that? Was that the summer? Was that August? Was that when? It's been a lifetime in the last 15 months, it seems like. And so what God's really laid on my heart is to, to express to you almost my journey in the past 15 months. And I know there's going to be times where you can relate and probably times where you don't relate because I'm different than you. It's okay. God made us that way. And so maybe you can glean some truth, get an understanding. But where have I been the last 15 months? Wow. Yeah, I was sitting at home. Actually, funny enough, we all think that the country shut down 15 months ago. No, because Sarah and I, we were up here almost all last summer worshiping with you guys. Without masks, I think, at that point, because I want to say Arizona didn't really hit us hard till the end of June. And like I said, I'm going to mess up on all the, the statistics and dates. That's not the, the purpose of it. But to just reflect on the last 15 months and where God's taken me, and then you'll have a time to think about where's God taking you. Uh, so we were up here a lot over the summer because I know Phoenix kind of put a kibosh on everything a little bit before Prescott, Prescott Valley. So we worshipped with you guys probably half the summer, and you, you became our home church, which was, was awesome. And so then after the summer... And there's no like real timeline here. After the summer, Sarah and I really felt called because churches in Phoenix weren't open. I know you guys were closed down for a while, but uh, just feeling God leading us to find another uh, place that we can plug in in the valley and in, in the church. And so we used 
was it September, Sarah? About August, September, as things were starting to open. Our, our church at the time uh, was a little larger, uh, does have an older community, and being in the valley, they felt it prudent to, to stay closed to a little longer than some other churches. And so Sarah and I are like, you know what? Let's take this opportunity to just visit some other churches in the valley, some smaller churches maybe that have opened their doors just because they can't function if their doors aren't open. Uh, Like the church we were a part of is a larger church. Uh, They could go online. They could continue to help the community where needed. Uh, So we started talking to our boys about where do we want to go to church. And they were like, let's go someplace where we have some friends. So we found a church where we had some friends. And just so you guys know, I have been to a lot of churches, and sometimes I feel like I'm a bad person because of it, or something's wrong with me, because it's not the churches, let me tell you. If there's a problem, typically if there's a problem in the church, it's because of you, it's not because of them. Just saying that every once in a while, I get it. But uh, So Sarah and I really enter into that, so when we visit a new church, we're like, okay, if, if God's working, but does it connect with what God's called us to do? And so we visited a couple churches with our kids, and they're like, yeah, that's, that's not really the fit for our family. And then we found a church, thank Jesus, right by our house. I'm like, why didn't we go to that one first? But they're called Mountain Ridge Baptist Church. And their youth group was called Thrive, and their pastor is bald. And funny enough, after the first Sunday there, our kids are like, that's just like Grandma and Grandpa's church. We want to stay there. And so we are at Mountain Ridge now, uh, worshiping. But just know what you've done for us is you've given us a heart for what community and fellowship looks like. And so we made sure we found a church that was very similar to you in the valley. So that's a big thank you. Now, what the last year's brought as well is a global pandemic, which everybody said wasn't a pandemic until it was a pandemic, and then we're like, aren't we over it? But it's still a pandemic, and I'm always confused on that. I know, I know. But God has, wow, worked in us and through us amidst this pandemic as well. So, like, I'm not even starting the sermon. I'm just giving you a basis for when we open the Word together. And I'll make sure I'm not super long, long-winded, okay? I'm not like my dad. I can be, but I choose not to be. Um, but in terms of how uh, COVID-19 and this pandemic really affected us, it started slow. I want to say back in April, May of last year, we had a gentleman whose kids go to the school Sarah and I teach at pass away from COVID complications. Now, we uh, were friends with the family Slightly. And so I called them friends, but we really didn't act like friends. We were good acquaintances, if that makes sense. But before he passed away, he was in the hospital, and our school, which was online at that time, wanted to do a baking competition that encourages and helps the community. And so our younger son, Noah, who was 11 at the time, said he wants to bake a cake for this gentleman who was in the hospital struggling with COVID. So we baked this cake, and we were torn because we knew things weren't looking good at the time, even though we were praying, always praying for a miracle. But Noah wanted to do a race car-themed, like, race for recovery 
cake. Great kid. And we're like, you know adults get in the way of a lot of good decisions from kids. And so we're like, really, what if he doesn't make it through? And so we were trying to like, maybe you want to do something else? And he's like, no, I really want to. So then we're like, okay, let's talk to his wife first before we do all this because uh, our school community, if we go forward with this, they're going to know about it. They're, uh, we're at a private Christian school, so it's faith-based family. So we're not worried about that, but we just want to make sure that our testimony is never offensive to anybody. So we talked to his wife and she's like, you know what, that's a great idea. My kids really need the encouragement. I really need the encouragement. And so he baked that cake and the friendship just deepened with that family. And then a few months later, he passed away. But what happened was our friendship with that family grew even stronger. And so God was working through that tragedy, using us to encourage that family, but that family really to speak life and truth into us on how they handle uh, the adversity and the hardships. And then Sarah and I were both school teachers since last March. We've been online, but then in August, we decided to go and open up the classroom. So we've actually, we taught an entire school year, almost, I'll tell you about that. We taught an almost entire school year on campus. But then we were told we also have to do it online. So I worked two jobs this past year. I had to do a full online curriculum for any student that wanted to be online and a full on-the-ground curriculum for students that wanted to be there. Little anger, frustration, that'll show up later in my sermon, okay? But you're getting that background. And uh, I'm not perfect. I grumbled. I complained. Like, it was a tough year. Like, everybody just had struggles. We, we've talked about how mental health has really been on the rise, or probably, I wouldn't say on the rise more, it's been in the forefront more. Uh, and in the midst of all that, we decided to sign our younger son up for Taekwondo, so that's five days a week, we're doing that. My oldest son, Tanner's just finished his ninth grade year, so he was in high school, decided to do sports and youth group, and I think I spend three hours almost every weeknight in the car driving my kids around after, in a sense, working two full-time jobs. Oh, by the way, Sarah decided to get a master's degree at the same time. So she's finishing up in October, but as I'm running around the kids around, she's writing papers and doing so. She has like three full-time jobs. And so that is kind of a little background to the beginning, middle, and we'll get to the end of this past year. And so it's dealing with this pandemic on, on a real level of people in community, and whether it's a Christian community or your neighborhood community, but I just want to tell you what I've learned through the pandemic. So we're going to be in Philippians. Now, if you know much about Philippians, you'll probably chuckle. If you don't know, you might chuckle as we move forward. But if you've got a Bible, if you've got an app, cell phone, something like that, I got it up on the screen as well. As we get into these verses... Uh, you can get mad at me all you want. I'm not above that. But, you know, when you get bored, just start reading the Bible while I'm talking. It's okay. I'm okay with that. So we're going to be in Philippians. But here's the thing. We're navigating our lessons learned through this pandemic, which still is not technically over, but you get me for this week. So we're going to pretend that we're, it's on its way out. We're recovering. And if not 
then we can still learn some truths from Philippians. So I went to my ESV study Bible, what I've got in front of me, but here are the key themes that when I opened it up, and then see if it relates to what we've been going through this past year. Christians need to keep making progress in their lives. A proper spiritual outlook is critical for progress in the faith. Christ is the ultimate model of loving and faithful service to God. And mature Christians also serve as role models in this regard. And then a couple other themes. Suffering will come, but through faith it can be met with joy. Prayer is crucial for maintaining a joyful Christian life. And the last one, the gospel is not individualistic. Christians are to share in rich fellowship and be united together to promote the gospel. And so I was, as I was praying, what am I going to speak to you guys about? I'm like, let's get in Philippians because are those not the themes we either lived through or need to hear? So let's dive in, but I'm going to take it out of order, okay? We're not going to just go Philippians 1, 2. We're going to go through my life this past year. So I am going to do what no good pastor should do, and that's jump around and just use one verse at a time. But I want to culminate it. Hopefully you'll see it at the end where it pieces together, because I want to say my life, my struggles this past year are because I just went here and there, and I'm like, I want a quick fix, or I don't like that verse. I'm going to not read that one today, and just move through the Bible in a weird way. And so this is, these are things that were said to me, and some verses I wish applied less this year. Okay, I was frustrated having to teach online and in person. Now here's the thing, should I have been? Probably not. So I'm not a good person. It's so, you know, because you can see, From your seats, it's like, Brett, get over yourself. I know I should. It's just hard to, okay? And that's what I'm saying, because I I feel that most of us have been in this place at some point. So maybe it's not the same story I'm telling, but you've been there before, where you just don't want to be happy this year. It was miserable. I I want the pandemic to end, but I don't want to have joy when I remember the pandemic. Like, that's my stubbornness. God, I hated it, and I will never love it, period. Like, that's what I want to tell God. And I've told him, and he's like, get over yourself. But here's some some verses in Philippians that I wish people used less. The first one, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Now, the first one, I want to grumble. It was not fun teaching online and in person. It was not fun losing a friend. I want to complain, God. Our world is in upheaval. Why can't I complain about that? And then I get on like my self-righteous soapbox. Like, can't I be angry and grumble over things I'm allowed to be angry and grumble about? Maybe. (sighs) I feel like the year existed so I could complain. And then the TV reminded me every day that I was right in that statement, that I should grumble and complain over what's happening every day. So the second one, before I throw it up here, 
Have you heard, like, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength? I love that verse. Except for the past 15 months. I've hated it. Okay? I don't want to do all things. I just want to curl up, read a book, or watch a movie. I just don't want to do it. Mm. But you can do all things, Brett. You can teach online. You can teach in person. You can drive your kids around school. Your wife can get her master's degree. And you can do even more than that. Just sleep less. But I love sleep, God. I love it. And in fact, if you know something about me, Sarah knows this about me. The best way I deal with stress is sleep. And the past 15 months took that from me. I cannot do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so then I'm going to put the verse up and we're going to throw it in context a little bit because then it frustrates me even more. So right before Paul says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, Paul says, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So a lot of times this verse is taken out of context because it's telling, people are trying to tell you, you can do amazing things. Just go grab the bull by the horns. Go conquer the world. That's half the time. And the other half is you will be wretched and miserable, poor and destitute, and you'll do all things. Stop using this verse on me these last 15 months. Like, I'm tired of that one. Even though it's true. Like, here's the thing. I'm using scripture and truth, but I'm letting you know my heart. That God's been working on me and my frustrations. And just so you know, I'm not over it yet. I'm, I'm getting there, and preparing for the sermon actually caused me to be like, okay, Brett, get over yourself. And then I've got a wonderful wife that tells me that all the time. And thank goodness for her, because really, otherwise, I would just complain and grumble my whole life to anybody and everybody that would hear it. So, so it's hard hearing the truth from my wife, but it's true. And she's a godly woman that puts things in perspective. She's always honest, yep. Okay, so those are the two verses I really despised when someone said, hey, Brett, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Hey, Brett, do things without complaining and disputing. I'm like, no, I don't want to do it all, and I, yes, I do want to complain. Please, just let me complain. So here are some verses I cherry-picked, and I want to get back at people, okay? Here's my verses that I wish I applied more and said more. By the way, the few verses are very selfish. Even though what you read will be true, it's God's word, I wanted to apply them in a selfish manner. In fact, there's so much unrest in the world right now that these verses, I'm just, I want to jab people with, okay? But here's the thing, there's unrest, we've seen it on TV, there's civil unrest, there's racial unrest, and then there's even unrest at home because I got two boys that keep trying to tell me what to do. They're, they think they know better. They th- yes, they think they know better. And then, in fact, there's been unrest in, in churches. There's been unrest in communities and cities. People groups of faith, there's been unrest. 
And so that's, these verses are like, I want to poke back. Even though selfishly I shouldn't, these are the verses I handpicked that I'm like, hmm, maybe you guys should apply these more. So like the other verses, were you telling me? Now here's my verses to tell you what to do. So Philippians 2, 2 and 3. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. I'm selfish, have I told you that yet? Okay, that's a true statement from God, but how I applied it is complete my joy by being just like me, okay? When I want to complain, complain with me. Have the same love, okay? It's not this perfect love that Jesus has. It's the love I want to have in the moment. And sometimes it's not much, okay? Have it with me. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. That's for you, not for me. Remember, these are the verses that I picked for you. And then humility, once again, not for me, for you. And then you need to count everybody else more significant than you, which means I'm more significant than all of you. Okay? Now... That's wrong in my my thought process, that's selfish of me, but that is where I found myself on occasion in the past 15 months. And I'm sure some of you agree a little bit, a lot, maybe more than me on this, but we really have tried to tell God what he should do for us. Like, God, there's a global pandemic here. Should you not protect my family? I love you. God, there's civil unrest. Can we just make it go away? We wish. But there's the, the thing is we're all different. We're all unique. We all struggle. And we all have a different perspective on it. All right, so the second one, just in case I didn't like hit you over the head enough, here's another verse you should apply more. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Okay, selfish. I want to tell you, it's not about you. Get over yourself. You can lose everything, but just have Jesus. Now, once again, I understand that's not how God wants it to apply. It's how I want it to apply in your life. I want you to give up everything and just have Jesus. I want to keep everything I got, please. God, give me more too. But it's selfish. And I had this selfish attitude. And God has used 15 months to humble me as well. But we all know when we're being humbled, we fight back. And so I'm, I'm thinking of these verses like, God, you need to, to do more for me and less for them. And then he humbles us by blessing me and Sarah and some friends with a trip uh, to Nevada in October. What an awesome time we had that week. So things in October are slightly opening up again from the summer. And so, funny enough, like, we love going to Las Vegas, not because of the casinos, but we found this awesome resort that has, like, a bowling alley, a movie theater, uh, steak and shake that's half off after 3 o'clock. And 
like five swimming pools. We just like stay at that resort. So we had a week. It was the four of uh, our family of four and another good friend of ours, a family of five. And we had two adjacent rooms, uh, huge rooms. We had a blast for an entire week. And I'm like, thank you, God. I deserve that. So we drove home on Saturday, was it, Sarah? Friday, see? I need to look at her because she's got the days. Yeah, she keeps me honest. As you can tell, I try to be dishonest a lot of times. So we drive home Friday, and oh, I got to tell you, the pandemic, one good thing coming out of this, you may condemn me for it, is, oh, traffic, yeah, that's, that's good. I love sports. Combat sports did not really take a break. So, man, did I get into boxing and MMA. So much fun. So we're driving home Friday, and I'm like, you know what? Let's invite some friends over. We had a great week in Vegas. Let's continue this before we have to go back to school, where I have to do two jobs full time. And So we have some friends over for about two and a half hours, maybe three at the most. We have dinner. We watch the fights. There's... 11 of us, is that about some, we have three families, but one family has three kids, the other one has two, so there's, there's a lot of us, okay, three families, but a good amount, we had a blast, and I'm like, thank you, Lord, I deserve that week, and then at midnight, after we cleaned up, and we jump in bed, I'm like, ooh, I don't feel good, mmm, Seriously, Lord? And then Sunday, was it? Oh, it was Saturday. So we had him over Saturday. Because Sunday morning, I wake up and I'm like, hmm, I still don't feel good. I better not go to church in this pandemic time because I might have COVID. So Sunday morning, I go get COVID tested. I've got a slight fever. I, I feel like I've got the flu. Like, seriously? My body aches, I'm a little nauseous, not bad, slight fever. So our friends are like, hey, the friends that were over the night before, or that night, whatever it was, are like, hey, we'll take your kids to church, you go get tested and probably just get your antibiotics or fluids or whatever you need, and we're good. So I'm at urgent care, because a Sunday morning, I'm not going to the ER and spending that money. Like, seriously, God, money was not designed to be spent at the ER. Okay, I'm trying to give you a glimpse into how selfish I really am, okay? So you can laugh at me. And if you don't feel the same way as me, it's okay. But the urgent care doctor's there. He goes, yeah, I don't think you have COVID. You have all the flu-like symptoms. And so I'm like, so let's test me for the flu. And he goes, ah, we're not going to test you for the flu because if you have that, it's no big deal. I'm going to test you for COVID anyway. But the test I'm giving you, we're not going to do a rapid because those aren't always accurate, and I don't think you have it. So let's do that three-day one, because you can't go to work anyway with a slight fever. I mean, you shouldn't go to work with a slight fever anyway, but we all know we used to, right? We used to do that. So we call up the friends that were over, and we're like, hey, not feeling good. Everybody else is feeling great. Just a heads up. I went and got my COVID test. It should be nothing. No big deal. And within, what, 72 hours, Sarah, all three families, every kid, every parent had COVID? Yep. Thanks a lot, God. Yeah, appreciate it. 
Oh, by the way, thing that frustrates me the most, the family with the three kids, the two adults that we spent an entire week in Vegas sharing room and clothes and food, they didn't get it. But the two families that were over for less than three hours all got it. Who knows? Who knows, God? Who knows? Seriously. But that's like, that's been my years, right? When I think I've got something good happening for me, something knocks me down. And then I've got to tell you, when it comes to a pandemic, you never know how your body's going to react. I think that's been the scariest thing. My biggest prayer for everybody is who knows what's going to happen. So my two kids, guess what? Less than 24 hours, they were bored out of their mind because they were not allowed to go back to school for two weeks. And mom and dad were on the bed and couldn't get out of bed for two weeks. Okay, God knocked me down to humble me. Because he's like, you got to put things in perspective again, Brett. And whether it was COVID or my job or friends or my church, God was going to knock me down to humble me. Because he goes, hey, those verses you were trying to tell other people to follow, you probably need to follow them as well. And so now, the journey of Philippians, the journey of 15 months, I started today with what everybody wanted to tell me. My second point was what I wanted to tell everybody else. And now, this is what I've learned. It's not about you. It's not about me. What's God saying? Now, he's saying all of it, because if we're using his word, like we should do things without complaining and grumbling. We should count others better than ourselves. We should have humility. Christ suffered. Paul suffered. We're going to suffer. Let's do it with joy. And so once that perspective started to come around where it's not about you, it's not about me, it's about what is God doing, and are we going to get on board, or are we going to get off that train and take our own path like I had been doing for the past up to 15 months and beyond. So God unifies you and me. So a lot of times it feels like we're fighting each other, whether it's the civil, social unrest, whether it's through a pandemic, whether it's through work, whether it's through a faith-based community or a church. God is uniting everything to himself. Are we going to jump on board? So here... I've got four verses because there's four chapters in Philippians. And I want to show you that God's theme of unity for you and me is start to finish. Because when I handpicked verses that you wanted to say to me or I wanted to say to you, those were all over the place in Philippians. But God's design is, Brett, you should have opened your eyes because the unity was there from the beginning. So I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Guess what? Your spiritual growth is not dependent solely upon you. And I would almost argue that your spiritual growth has less to do with you. Because if we read this verse... Who is the one that begins the work? You or God? Who is the one that completes it? You or God? Get over yourself. That's what God's saying to me. Get over yourself, Brett. Because I'm going to start something and I'm going to finish it. All he wants me to do is say, I'm on board with it, Jesus. 
use me. So God's going to use groups, he's going to use individuals, and that's the beauty of the church. God has begun a good work in you personally. Guess what? You don't even have to believe it. He is doing it. And, bigger picture, God's doing it at the ridge. I might hurt some feelings here, but he's going to do it whether you're here or not. Are you on board with what God's doing? Are you going to allow him to use you? And so it's no longer this argument of let's throw scripture at each other to make each other feel better. Let's jump on board with what God's trying to do. Second one, Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Once again, we go one chapter over and it's all about God doing it in you and through you. And so here we see that God has the, he wants to will and to work in your life. If you're taking notes, what you want to write down is God has the desire and the ability to do it in you. He wants to, and he can. That's what we need to remember. So if the 15 past months have taught me anything, God wants to do something in me, and he can do it. And the same goes for you. He wants to work in you, and he can do it. He has that ability. So now, I don't have it up here. I've got to jump to. And the reason why Philippians 2, 13 is this. Philippians 2, 14. Do all things without grumbling or questioning. God has the desire and the ability. Therefore, we can do all things without complaining and grumbling. Ah, putting it into context if I just read the book cover to cover from the beginning, right? And then the last, second to last one, Paul states that our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. The reason I picked this verse out is our world is a mess. Let's work on getting it better, please. But your citizenship is in heaven. That whole idea of unity. Because right now, the definition of being an American, people are fighting over what's that mean. And here's the thing. I'm okay with that fight. Because anytime we evaluate where we came from, where we are, and where we're going, it's a plus. But in Philippians, what God's trying to say is your citizenship's in heaven. So what dictates your arguments? Scripture, the life of Christ, the mature Christians that have gone before us, that are leading us today. And so Paul's trying to take us through a journey saying, remember that the hardships we encounter now are nothing in comparison to the joy that we will receive starting now and later. Because Christ promises us joy now 
and yet future. And I think in the past 15 months, I was like, oh, I know, Jesus, you're going to make things better. Just come back for me. But he's like, I want to do it now. You're a citizen of heaven now and follow those verses. I'll make all things better for you later too. So how can heavenly citizens be unique? Okay, we're, we're part of the same church, but we are so, so different. So how can we be unique, but allow God to move in and through us for a common cause? That's really what I've been learning the last 15 months. God's not telling me I have to change. Sometimes he tells me I got to suck it up and not complain. Or sometimes he tells me, like... Cool it off, humble yourself a little bit. But it's not changing who I am. God's designed me for a purpose. He's designed you for a purpose. So how do we unite for a common cause? And that's where I got to say, America has done some things great with the unrest, with the pandemic, because it causes us to evaluate where were we, where are we, where do we want to go? But we've got to remember, not only are we unique, but we're designed to be together. Let's not forget that. And things aren't perfect. I've got coworkers that don't believe the same way I do. And so, like, I want to go back to the beginning and, like, throw a verse at them, like, be just like me. Nope. God designed them uniquely, different than me, to serve the same purpose I'm serving. That's a tough one, by the way. I haven't figured out how to do that yet fully. I'm just telling you, you are different than me, and we have got to unite for a common cause in Christ. I get to leave after this week, and then Will gets to lead you through what that really looks like. Okay, he's got the hard job. I get the easy one. Okay, the last one, Philippians 4, 7, and I'm going to wrap it up. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love this verse. I've got it highlighted. The peace of God. Not the peace of man. Not the peace of America. Not the peace of Israel. Not the peace of Hamas. Like there is no peace in comparison to the peace that Christ has brought and will continue to bring to your life. Now, I'm not going to put it up there, but I'm going to let you know where does that peace come from? How do we obtain it? And it's found right before Philippians 4, 7 in verses 4, 4 through 6. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We are being taught to be unique, but to provide unity in Christ. That's Philippians. I charge you guys to read it. Chapters 1 through 4 this week. Do it a couple times. See the unity where Paul says, I've been brought high, I've been brought low. Paul says, I'm 
been imprisoned, I've been beaten, and I've seen amazing miracles. In all things, Christ gives him strength. In all things, through Christ, we are to do it without complaining or grumbling. And because of the truth of the Word of God, we have access to the peace that surpasses all understanding. That's what I have learned or been reminded of the last 15 months. That we are in a unique situation where the church can stand up and be a voice. And guess what? Some people are going to hate you for it. But read Philippians. Paul wrote this in prison for being a Christian. And he said, have joy, my brothers and sisters. Paul was beaten unto death. And he says, it's okay, get up, because Christ is going to work through you. Because he has the desire and the ability to do it. So God will work through you and through you because he has that desire and ability. And let me just close in prayer. I want to pray over you for this. So I told you this is my 15-month journey. So as I use these verses, as I shared my story, some things might have clicked with you. Some things probably weren't clicking. You're like, eh, I'm not on the same page as you, Brett. That's okay because I wanted to share my story of what God's doing for me. Your challenge is you now have to share your story with someone because together through communication, God will provide the unity that he promised he would. He will provide the peace that he promised he'll bring to you. But we've got to do it together. And that doesn't mean we're the same. It means we're absolutely different. And we have a common cause. And that's the life of Christ. And modeling ourselves after him and each other. Let me close in prayer and pray over you. I can invite the worship team back up. Father God, I thank you for the ridge. I thank you for their unique hearts that you have put together for a purpose today, Lord. Lord, let all the individuals in here remain just that, unique individuals, and use them, Lord, to be a vessel for the ridge, this unique church, but for the community, for the church at large, for the city at large, Lord. I thank you for them. I thank you for their heart and their desire to love on you. And Father, you have promised an abundance of peace and an abundance of joy in any circumstance. And if anything in the past 15 months has taught us that, it's taught us your truth of what joy, abundance, and peace can really mean for us as an individual and us as a community. And Father God, it's in your Son Jesus and his mighty name that I pray this over the people. Amen.